Good morning, I'm Anna Marie, and it's time for Focus. It's a closer look at people, places, and events right here in our own backyard. Today, we're talking to Katie Finn. She's the director of Tennessee Resettlement Aid. Welcome, Katie. Thanks, Anna. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. What is Tennessee Resettlement Aid, Katie? Let's get right to that. So Tennessee Resettlement Aid is an aid organization, like the name says, in Nashville, and we are trying to fill the gaps of the refugee resettlement system. So there's a national system that trickles down locally when cities receive refugees. Um, Sometimes refugees don't get all of the services that they require to thrive. They get their their basic survival needs met, but not to thrive. So Mm -hmm. DRA wants to help them. Something that stirred us was the Afghan resettlement process here in the U.S. where we received 60,000 people and it completely overwhelmed the system. Mm -hmm. So Tennessee Resettlement Aid was formed in a direct response to that, to the Afghan arrivals. Well, let's start with the National Resettlement Aid. You say they get the basics. What is the Resettlement Aid program? Well, the Resettlement Program, the National Resettlement Program is federally funded and refugees can expect to receive a lot of core services such as housing placement, employment placement, a school enrollment, and as far as physical items, a bed, a plate, a fork, a knife per person. Mm-hmm. And as you and I know, life is full of so many other things. And that that welcome, that soft landing that you can provide just by adding something small like a rug or a lamp mm-hmm. or just somebody to meet you at the airport. These are things that really set the tone for their new lives. Mm-hmm. And TRA is an aid organization, so we do provide some critical services, but really we are a welcoming organization in so many ways. So do you meet people at the airport? We do not meet people at the airport, but we meet them upon arrival in their homes because we're bringing them home goods and we're bringing them food boxes and warm meals and introducing them to people in the community that can help them. And these are people who are coming from what situation? TRA serves almost solely Afghans, our Afghan allies, that were evacuated from Kabul in in August and have since started arriving in the U.S., probably since late August and early September. Nashville has received 425 people officially, but I would say that number is sitting at 500 um, once we count all of the walk-ins. Oh, okay, people who found their way here, basically. Right, yeah. Okay, so why are they having to be resettled? Let's update people on what the story is. If mm-hmm. we can. It's a really hard story to tell and an even harder story to live through. Um, we have the utmost respect for our Afghan allies, and I call them Afghan allies because these are people that served American military units or the American government or American companies that supported the sustainable development of Afghanistan mm-hmm. for the last 20, 25 years. Right. So they worked with our personnel and our men and women. And because of that, they are being hunted by the Taliban. And not only them, but their families are being hunted. Even the families that they left behind, they're on hit lists a mile long and they have to stay in safe houses and they have to cower and hide because if they step outside, they're going to be killed. These people are the lucky ones that escaped and came to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are thousands and thousands of people in the same situation that should have been on those planes that were left behind. Yeah. So once they get here, they are helped by a federal program? Correct. They're helped by the resettlement agencies, and we call those RAs. Nashville has two wonderful RAs, and they go above and beyond to provide for all of the needs, all of the basic needs. 
But even the best laid plans are due to fail if you are disrupted. There are gaps once the system got overwhelmed. I mean, nobody expected this to happen. The administration had no warning, and we were coming in completely unprepared. So when they started arriving, things started to crack. And that was the provision sometimes of of food regularly or clothes and jackets, things that resettlement agencies never really did. But we needed to do them because people were coming in with no shoes, Ah, no clothes. Whoa. That's when I formed Tennessee Resettlement Aid is because I saw those gaps and I could not just turn away from them. And I, I like to work and aim to work in tandem with the resettlement agencies because the work that they do is just so critical and important and they can't do it all and they shouldn't be expected to. So the gap exists because the system doesn't work as well as it should. Mm-hmm. But an organization like TRA or other community partners can step in and fill those gaps pretty easily. How did you find out about the need? Did you meet someone? Mm. I was working in one of the resettlement agencies. I was working with refugees already, and I kind of moonlighted as a caseworker because we just needed so much help. Yeah. Then I decided I wanted to do this full time. That yeah. This was aid is actually my love, my first love. Yeah. And resettlement is another animal, but equally as important. Mm-hmm. You say you did. you were moonlighting as... A caseworker. A caseworker. Which, <laughs> I wasn't officially one. So that means you uh, you actually had like, specific people that you were seeing into their lives and seeing their needs and seeing what Correct. needs were not being met. Yes, yes. We were welcoming people at the airport and we could see that they were going to need clothes and shoes and things like that and hygiene items. Mm-hmm. And they're being placed in hotels and they didn't have the proper cookware. So I started collecting items in my neighborhood, posting on Facebook and just making friends that way and letting people know, hey, I'm con- I'm collecting this for the Afghans if you'll just donate. And my living room turned into a, th- a thrift smart. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was overwhelming when I say overwhelming emphasis on the over. And uh, I mean, it was like crazy how, how generous people could be. And we were able to get a lot of people what they needed. And then I thought, this is great. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be bigger because we're getting 500 people. So I had to branch out and create my own organization that just focused on direct aid. Okay. And we're talking, if you just joined us, with Katie Finn. She's the director and founder of Tennessee Resettlement Aid, TRA, as she's calling it. Where are we right now? How, how long has TRA been working and operating And what do we need to do? And maybe how can we help? Well, TRA was founded at the end of December. Okay. Oh, it's brand new. Brand new. We are very embryonic. I like to tell people that we are very young. We are very small. We are very poor. So everybody (laughs) has to have a little grace with us because we are reacting to a crisis. And what we we have been able to do is based on the amazing integrity and the fortitude and ingenuity of of my team. And I have two co-founders. Uh, Julie and Salim. And Salim is an Afghan mm-hmm. leader here in the community. He actually came as a refugee four years ago. Wow. So he has direct insight as to what these people need and what they want and the culturally appropriate response. Oh. He's critical. Yeah. So we're able to provide them with appropriate food, which is halal meat and Afghani bread, which is something that I would not know otherwise. And, of course. And clothes from the Muslim community have been donated thanks to their connection with Salim and so on and so forth. We are now moving out of direct aid and into more holistic services. Um, just give you a background of the things that we do. We feed about 400 people a week with the help of the branch, which is a food pantry in Antioch. And they provide the USDA box and we add the meat and the bread. And we have urgent food running every day. 
We have huge Monday delivery nights of food to dozens and dozens of households around Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then we do clothes and and home goods to anybody upon delivery because a lot of people don't have cars and they don't have their licenses yet. Oh, I see. I was thinking so why do why do they why does the need continue and it's because they still can't go take care of it themselves. Correct. Correct. They're they're pretty isolated. And mm. if you can imagine what it would be like to be in an Airbnb in a strange city or a hotel in a strange city without the language. Yeah. I mean, everything is a struggle. So one of the most important parts, I think, of TRA service is the delivery of items, but also the delivery of this connection, this yeah. this friendship with somebody from the community. So a TRA volunteer is there for you and you can get their number. And if you have a need, you can contact them. And that goes up the chain to me and Julie and Salim. And we facilitate the provision of items that they need. How do you get past the language barrier? I can't tell you how many games of charades I play every day. (laughs) And I also can't tell you how many good friends I have now that don't speak a word of English. English isn't necessary and and language isn't as necessary as we think. It's just the little peekaboo with the kids and it's the hand on the heart when you're talking to a man and it's the hug when you're talking to a woman and just the smile and that you want to know that when you're interacting with them that they have seen things that no person should have to see. So whenever you're with them, a smile, a breath of fresh air, this hope is just so critical to that interaction. And you want to walk in the door and be a a ray of sunshine for them. I bet you do that well. I try. I try. It's hard because we, we do see so much suffering every day. We can never really understand it or even empathize with it. Yeah. But we can sympathize with it. What kind of issues are they dealing with? A mountain of issues. Um, I would say... Like trauma and yes. the need for counseling and... Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Direct needs, we have them We have them pretty much answered and we're mm-hmm. trying our best. But th- we can only give so many coats and rugs and shoes without addressing the core problem, which is that their families, people that they love, their kids sometimes, their husbands and wives and parents and brothers and sisters, of course, are back in Afghanistan and their lives are threatened. Mm-hmm. So people are walking around warm and fed with broken hearts. And that is something TRA cannot fix. And that's what keeps us up at night is to find a way to give them really what they want, which is their lives back. And we can never do that. And keep in mind, if you're just joining us, so these are people who had to basically evacuate, be evacuated, leave their country. They were in their homes. It's not like they said, well, let's just go to America and see what we can discover. These are people who had to go Mm -hmm. or be killed by the Taliban. Correct. And it was because they had been part of, they were working with us and for us there in In Afghanistan. In some regard. In some regard. Mm -hmm. So then, so now that the Taliban is retaliating, their lives are threatened or they or some many have been killed. Correct. Already. Many have been killed. So that's what they've seen all around them. Yep. They had to flee for their lives and many had to leave friends and family members home. Yes. And Afghanistan's situation has deteriorated even more so than just the social backlash and the safety of people People's lives is now compromised because of drought and a a terrible famine. Some say the worst in 25 years. Oh, wow. There are reports of people selling their own children to feed their other children. There are reports of people rising up against Taliban and speaking out and being killed. Mm -hmm. And there are people in safe houses and different countries trying to get 
and to be reunited with their families around mm-hmm. the world. So you see this great fracture, not just of individual families, but of a nation that is pinned against itself and all trying to fight different battles. It is not the U.S.'s fault for many, many of these issues that have arisen, but we do have a responsibility to people that we promised asylum to. And we call these people asylum seekers or SIV holders, special interest visa holders. And these are people that the government said, we appreciate and respect your service. We will get you out. Mm -hmm. We will do whatever it takes to help you because you deserve it. And you put your life on the line. So it's important to remember that those people are here, not because they want to be here because they thought America was fun, but because they are here on merit and they deserve all of the services and the respect that 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 guarantees. Have you had any backlash from people who may not want to help because they have specific image in mind of Mm. foreigners coming in, Mm. taking our jobs and all of that stuff? I have not, thankfully, for me and for that person. Um, Nobody has said that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Good for that person who has not said that. Very good for that person, yes. What would you tell them? I would tell them that they are grossly misinformed and they need to pick up the paper. And they need to turn on the news and they need to see that the world does not revolve around them and their jobs, that there are people out there that really need just the basic living essentials and they could spare a bit. And I will say that and congratulate Nashville and thank Nashville for stepping up and sparing more than just a bit. I mean, the generosity in this town, it's humbling. I would not have been able to do this, I think, in another city that doesn't have this respect for such a bipartisan issue. I mean, these these aren't immigrants necessarily. These are refugees. These are people that were promised safety that gave a service to our military. Mm -hmm. So if anybody deserves a helping hand, it's them. And I ask people, do you think that people deserve help if they have helped the U.S. abroad? And the answer is always Well, yes. And then I say, then don't you think we should help our Afghan allies? And the answer, therefore, is yes. Yeah. What is the next step? You say we're kind of taking a more holistic approach. What does that mean? We are trying to be anything that they need us to be. Because we are so small, we're able to be nimble and move with them along with them. So we are going to help all refugees, the Congolese, Ethiopians, hopefully not the Ukrainians, I would hate to see them come too, but that seems like a real possibility. Yeah. And as climate change braces or the impacts the world, and we have to all brace for that, we need to be ready for those folks. But with the Afghans, we're going to branch off and just tailor to their their needs. And right now, that's language. That's English as a second language class for the men and the women. The kids will learn at school, thankfully, mm-hmm. but the women, many of our women, are illiterate even in their own languages. Mm-hmm. Employment is something that the resettlement agencies do, and they do that very well, but they can't do everybody. So we're stepping up and and connecting people with jobs. And then transportation. If you don't have a car in the U.S., you are out of luck. Mm -hmm. So thanks to a very generous donor, we've been able to purchase a fleet of vehicles, and we move people around the city. We get them to the markets, and we get them to the job applications and the interviews. and, And that's been so helpful because they just need a leg up. So we're going to be that leg up. What kind of job can someone get if they are not fluent in English yet? Oh, my goodness. Nothing that that is what they deserve, I will say, because even if they are not fluent in English, they still have a professional background in history that's very rich. They are very capable. I mean, I have people in their last semester of med school, lawyers. I have 
a lot of military guys with incredible skills that would be in addition to our military or our police force, things like this. But they just can't break the ice because they can't portray themselves or market themselves correctly yet. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of labor and it's going to be jobs that you don't need, that you can be trained to do and then do on your own. So we've had a few companies that have stepped up to welcome them with open, open arms and say, look, we're here for the long haul. You can start at the bottom and we're going to help you make your way up. And there is room to grow. Wow. So getting them connected to those opportunities and telling them this is only temporary. We know that you are capable of so much more. We're going to help you get there. But for now, to feed your family, your very large family in some cases, you have to work. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Katie Finn, the director of Tennessee Resettlement Aid. It was formed specifically to deal with refugees from Afghanistan. These are people who helped America when our military members needed the support, needed the help, helped us when we were there. And now the Taliban is basically taken over they're in control and these are people who had to flee for their lives they are refugees and katie and her organization are helping them i remember as you mentioned that a lot of the people are very highly qualified but they can't break that language barrier and portray themselves and present themselves and can't get their resume together for example i remember teaching english as a second language to uh people who spoke spanish as their first language and one of the things that one of the Uh, adult students needed help with was to write a letter that he could give to his employer to say, I need, I'm asking for a raise. Here's what I do. I communicate with the staff. I run the crew. They speak Spanish. I run the crew. I can do this. I do this. I do this. And asking for a raise because he was not able to, as you say, market himself or portray himself. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing feeling to see him be able to, with the help like what you offer, what your team offers to be able to step up Mm -hmm. and earn more and step into his qualifications. Yes. And that's that's a confidence that I think people step into. When you first come to America, you feel so alien. You feel like you don't have a voice, Mm -hmm. especially if you don't have the language. We really take that for granted here in in a culture, in a nation that emphasizes one language in a unified communication set, that is not normal. So Afghanistan has many, many languages. If you didn't speak one language, you could probably pick a different one that you guys both speak and and you could communicate that way with your neighbors. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not the case here. So it's just kind of one size fits all English. And if you don't have that, you're a distinct disadvantage. So you have to then show yourself as being employable and social and other ways. And that's that's interpersonal skills that don't rely on language. Thankfully, the Afghans are some of the most hospitable people that I've ever, ever met. And they don't need the language. They just invite you in and you sit down for tea and they place mounds of rice in front of you and you can get along just fine. But that's just why they're so special. Mm -hmm. That's why they're special to your heart as well. Yes. Yeah. Clearly. What about counseling? What about mental health services? for people who've been through so much trauma Mm -hmm. in their lives? We don't currently offer that, but it it is something that is completely necessary for them to heal from what they've seen. I believe that refugees are in crisis mode for two to three years, economic, but also emotionally. I mean, they've been removed from everything they've ever known. And 
in, in very traumatizing circumstances, too. It's not like they decided, let's move on a new adventure. Yeah. They had to. So the, the definition of a refugee is somebody who's looking for asylum and safety because of a direct threat to his or her life. Yeah. That is why. Uh, otherwise, you are an economic migrant. So refugees and migrants are not the same. They are not the same classification of people. And they're both very special groups, of course, and hardworking and ingenious. But they really have to be separated and differentiated because of the things that they have seen. And the things that they need to heal from that. Yes, that's correct. So any kind of counseling or trauma, trauma treatment would have to be done in respect to, I think, violence and the war that they have seen, yeah. and also acknowledging the continued pain of being separated from people that you love mm-hmm. and trying to do the hard things that we all have to do, getting up in the morning and putting our pants on and going to work and dealing with the rain and the drudgery and the stress from kids and money, along with this burden, this crushing burden of fear for your loved one's lives. Mm-hmm. And they carry that with them onward. And we don't know when they will ever see them again. People ask me after we give them food, their next question is, when will I see my family? How can I get them here? Oh, wow. We don't have an answer. Nobody does. Nobody does. So there's no plan in place or in the works? No. Nothing that we can use to explain a timeline Mm -hmm. or to give any kind of hope because this is just an unprecedented event. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the Taliban is not communicating enough with the U.S. and they've stopped a lot of commercial flights, if not all commercial flights that Afghans can get on and go to Europe or go to the U.S. And also think about the logistical problem of getting somebody out of a safe house, putting her in a car and her children Driving her through Afghanistan, getting her to an airport, checking her docks and putting them on a plane all over. There are Taliban checkpoints. There are Taliban soldiers. If she's caught, she'll be killed. There's a, there's a huge risk to getting to trying to getting people out of there. We just haven't gone there yet. Sure. What can we do to help? Well, if you want to help your Afghan neighbors in Nashville, mm-hmm. we have so many programs that we need volunteers for and we need resources for to continue to continue doing. And the direct aid is the food and the clothes and the home goods. We are actually not accepting donations mm-hmm. of clothes and most furniture anymore because we have just been so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so thank you, Nashville, for showing up and stepping up. Good. Yes. Yeah, so we have to move through what we have. But our feeding program is quite expensive. We're also pairing people with jobs. So any kind of help with employment or professional capacity development is really important for us. Um, ESL classes that we're running, if you're an ESL teacher, you like to be involved there. We always need volunteers to help there. And this kind of emergency backup response that we're going to have to do because the federal help doesn't last forever, and nor should it. They need to stand on their own two feet, and they will. I have full faith in them. But eventually, the benefits, they cease, and they have to work. And there are gaps, as we all know. Many hardworking Americans with full grasp of the English language experience these gaps and these financial difficulties. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to get that, too. What we want to make sure is that we're able to be with them, that we can help with their rent, that we can help sustain them and make sure their kids have school supplies a year if they need it, two years if they need it, because it does take that long to acclimate and to find your footing. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also looking outward 
and trying to find ways to reunite people with their families and trying to reach those folks back in Afghanistan or Pakistan or Uzbekistan and these second party countries where people are hiding and bring them back because we cannot forget about them. They have served us immeasurably. They have sacrificed for us and it it is owed to them. And we are we are trying to take on now that project and, and doing so happily. It's not fair that they should have to suffer so and that their families should have to suffer because they were helping us. Correct. They were helping America. Yes. You mentioned earlier when you're speaking to someone, putting your placing your hand on your mm-hmm. heart when you're mm-hmm. talking to a man mm-hmm. or hugs when you're speaking to a woman. Are there cultural uh, things like that that you had to learn? Is that uh, the customary thing? Is that how to kind of say, um, yes. I, I, I feel for you, I'm, I send you respect? And, yes. Uh, are there things like that that you had to learn that you could share with us? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've, I learned a little bit of the hard way because all of our Afghan allies are, are Muslims. And in Islam, it is improper for people of the opposite gender to touch. And from the South, oh we boy. hug everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, there have been times where I would go for a hug and I would realize, uh-uh, you know, that is just not how they do it. And who's to say that later on down the line they will feel more comfortable sure. with that and that will be something that they would like to engage in? Like, we we all know the benefits of a really great hug from your friends, and, yeah. and that's fine. But for now, we let them take everything at their own speed. Oh, yeah. So the hand on the heart is something really special that I just love about them. It just means I see you, I feel you, I'm here with you, I acknowledge you, and it comes always with a smile. And it's just a, a gesture of respect. Um, and then with the women, I get hugs and kisses all day long. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. When I love the hand on the heart. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because my husband and I do that with each other. I just remember he said something one day. He said, I find you so beautiful. I love your face. I love your smile. And he said, most of all, I love this. And he put his hand on my heart. Mm. And I just thought, bottom line, that's what it's about. Yeah. It's our hearts for other people. And it's recognizing it their heart, seeing them. I see you. I recognize that you have pain that you have suffering that you have things that you need to deal with and i'm here to help totally and i think that is the gift of this work it is not work for everyone because you face suffering every day and humans are not designed to suffer under any circumstances but to see a person in front of you who looks different than you and and sounds different than you and you can look into their eyes and see the humanity underneath it and another more haunting feeling that, that doesn't ever leave you, which is that it just as easily could have been me. If something went wrong in my country, I mean, it's just a miracle that it hasn't so far, that would be me. Be just the lottery of birth, Anna. And it's such a frustrating question. And I'm a believer. I got a lot of bones to pick with God when I see him, because why should somebody suffer this much just because of where they were born? It's not fair. Yeah. So those folks that are here that we've welcomed to Nashville, we've welcomed to the U.S., they're going to be just fine. But it's the other people in Afghanistan yeah. and around the world that I worry for and I think about and I see myself and I see my mother and people's mothers and my family and people's families. And I don't know if I could be as strong as they are. So we want to focus on helping those Afghan refugees who are here. And focus on trying to get them reunited, get their uh, their families here 
or somewhere to safety. Yes. And that's harder than anything else because of all of the red tape and the roadblocks and the fact that we cannot in good conscience send money to Afghanistan because if it is rerouted by the Taliban, we're indirectly or directly unintentionally funding terrorism. Yeah. So there are huge obstacles in place to helping those people. And we're running up against that all the time. We're trying to be as safe about that as we can. So if you want to help and you're listening right now and you want to help, where do we go to find out what we can do? You said volunteer support as you continue to help supply food to our refugees. What can we do? Well, you can go to our website, TennesseeResettlementAid.org. The org is the important part. And you can check out our Sign Up Genius. We have slots open in our storage units where you can volunteer to pack up home goods boxes for families and clothes for families and deliver. Um, there's a background check involved. That's for everyone's safety. Yeah. You can also, if you have special skills, if you can write a really good resume, if you can teach a great English class, please let me know because these are things that they're going to need to find their footing. Um, and if you want to support monetarily, mm-hmm. we run all of this based on private donations. We are so young. We have not been awarded any grants, mm-hmm. any federal money, any state money yet, although we have applied Um, And we're just running it based off the kindness of other people and people who don't want Afghans to suffer in their city. And that's something really important. We have to remember that these people aren't going anywhere. We are so happy to have them here. But now they are our neighbors and they need help. So we can all do our part to welcome them and make sure that that they find their their spaces and they can grow and they can lay down roots because we want them to stay forever. Katie, you are fantastic. You're an amazing woman. Anna, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for, for having me us. on. This is Katie Finn, the director and one of the co-founders of Tennessee Resettlement Aid. And again, that website was TennesseeResettlementAid.org if you want to get more information and find out how to volunteer. We're going to put those links online as well on our Focus Facebook page so you can check them out there too. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus. Focus.